1: You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com/slash host. This is the Improv Chronicle Podcast. I'm Lloydie. Taking care of your scene partner. I've heard the phrase take care of your scene partner so many times in improv. But what do we really mean by it? What is it we need to do in order to make sure our scene partner is taken care of? And how does that impact the scene? I started by talking to someone I'd met after doing one of my favourite shows with my duo partner, Liam Webber. We'd done a show in Sheffield in the UK, and one of the people there that night was an improviser on a brilliant Sheffield team called Strike, Daniel Pitts. So what does he think take care of your scene partner really means?
2: perspective I think it's all about looking after your scene partner as a person. I think it's a lot more about the interpersonal relationship between two actors on the stage rather than you know the characters you're playing. Um, I I think the the main thing that I think is that you should shift a bit of your perception onto your scene partner and how they're doing and sort of ask yourself in your head a bit how how are they handling the situation. And hopefully it'll direct your, that, your perception away from whatever you're doing and onto them. And maybe it'll help guide you with what you're doing. But I don't think that's necessarily needs to be the main aim of it. I think it should just be uh, an interpersonal gesture and a, and a good, competent thing to do in a, in a situation where, you know, a lot of meaningful and emotional topics can come up. I think the main thing you need to have at the, in part of your thinking is how is the other person I'm talking to doing?
1: How do we do that in a scene without kind of popping ourselves out of the character that we're in?
2: That's true. I I suppose that's a really good question. (laughs) I suppose it's unavoidable maybe that you do let the mask slip ever so slightly, but maybe it's more, if, if you've experienced enough, you'd sort of hope that whatever belief is guiding the character you're playing, it can be bent or shifted or adapted towards... What you as a performer are aware is going on with your scene partner. So I'd say it, it, you should try and accommodate, you know, reasonable or kind or helpful thinking about your scene partner into the character you're playing. I mean, a character you're playing could be a complete bastard, but if, if they can, if they can express their bast- bastardosity, if that's a, if that's a technical term, I will it patent it, it after yeah. this. Um, if they can, tailor that to someone who maybe isn't comfortable talking about whatever your character's just brought up then that's what you should try and do you should try and bend the bastardosity in such a way that it accommodates your scene partner
1: I'm just thinking have you got an example <laughs> of um a time when either you have or you noticed someone has looked after their scene partner on stage in a way that um uh, in a way that fits your definition
2: i can recall a a situation that i had where i was the one who was uncomfortable and what i just needed was my scene partner to understand that what was being brought up in the situation that was there was making me quite uncomfortable i hope that i've been able to pull off many situations like that like i don't want to sort of uh breach the semi-confidentiality of the rehearsal room
3: sure but yeah, there's, yeah. There's,
2: there's a few it's certainly across the time i've performed and or done improv there's been people who've sort of had anxiety type issues like general anxiety general anxiety type sort of situations happening and it it, i think that the main thing to realize is that if your scene partner is seizing up or they look like a deer in the headlights or they're just sort of not even responding on a on a flowy level it's it's taking a moment to step back and think. Okay, send. I'm going to send you away, or or, um, or my character is going to do a 180 based on something you've said that's more subtle and bring that back. It's, it's for me as a as a base level person. I think that the main thing about looking after your scene partner is looking after the person you're you know looking at. if That makes sense. <laughs>
1: As I explored this topic, I messaged people and put out calls on Facebook asking for opinions on what take care of your scene partner means. And I had a lot of interesting replies. Ian Hales is an improviser in Newcastle. He says, I tend towards the give your scene friends presence, i.e. give them things you think they would want to do or like doing. They like playing in a silent clown space? Let them do that for a bit. They like emotional rooted stuff? Give them a character development to chew on. They're clever as heck and like showing it? Give them an impossible riddle to solve in a scene and cheer them on as they work it out. Ian goes on to say, I've realised that directing improv and training dogs are very similar. I also heard from Pippa Evans from Showstopper, the improvised musical. She said this brilliantly succinct phrase Create a space where you're both free to play fully. I also got in touch with a theatre company in Delhi, India, which I knew had really explored this whole concept and they even got an expert in to help.
3: So my name is Anshama Shritrapal and I am a drama and movement therapist. And what that essentially means is that I use drama and theater as healing modalities across populations. I work in India. I teach in a design programs as well uh, because I'm really passionate about this work and I wanted to reach places.
0: And I'm Varun Anand, Artistic Director of Kevale Plays, a Delhi-based theater production company. Recently, we created a play called Unravel, which focuses on the therapeutic effects of improv games on certain aspects of mental health, such as depression and anxiety. And um, I've worked with Anshuma in the past, uh, who came in and essentially built our safe space practice through the play and furthermore through how we now operate as a theater organization as well.
1: And knowing you'd done some of that was one of the reasons uh, Varun um, why I wanted to get in touch because we talk a lot in improv about take care of your scene partner. And it's a phrase I think that is kind of quite casually sometimes thrown around in the improv community. Um, Mm -hmm. And I wondered with all the work that you've been doing, what you understand that phrase to really mean.
0: Yeah, it's one of those things that evolves with time, right? I mean, my first I think the very reason I enjoyed improv from the beginning was that it wasn't a competitive format of working. It really relied on people working together to build something. Otherwise, you're not going to get very far. Um, But over time, what I saw is that there's many aspects to that, especially when I came to Delhi, because Delhi, it was much more of a breeding ground for stand-up comics. So you had a lot of uh, making fun of each other, pulling each other's legs in scenes. And over time, improv became kind of a toxic thing. Because I was constantly trying to make audiences laugh with the team, and a lot of our scenes were about making fun of each other, and it just really felt wrong. And working over time, we, we were trying to grasp what it is that that means. Then taking care of your partner, and I have to admit that it wasn't. Um, it, it was a situation we asked the question first: What does it mean? And then we tried to go about answering what it what does it mean to take care of your your partner? And we went through what we thought the principles of improv were. That taking care of your partner means accepting the reality they state exists. Don't deny, don't block. Otherwise, you're not taking care of your scene partner. But it didn't, even with these things, it didn't feel that um, we were getting to it practically. Uh, We were struggling to listen to each other in scenes. We were nervous, and these things lead to problems when you're there. As theater actors, we have a tendency of putting it on the line for a show. Uh, you'll put yourself through great pain because it's worth it for the show, anything to make the show happen. And we realized that it wasn't sustainable. So that's when one of our performers recommended Anshima and Anshima came in and the very first thing she did is, what's the show? Okay, so you guys create a safe space. What is a safe space? And we didn't have an answer to that. And I guess this is where I would hand over to Anshima and say she can maybe explain better what it was that was going on.
3: First of all, I mean, Kudos to the production itself. I think the intention of the production was absolutely stunning to me. The idea that this was happening, like Varun said, in India, in in Delhi, in the theater scene in Delhi was unheard of. Uh, For a theater company to be so open to these wonderful conversations about consent, about power structures within the very fabric of creating theater, Um, a concentration which was not simply about the product, or the, or the, or the, or the aesthetics of the performance, but a concentration on the process of it, and what's happening to each individual as they involve themselves in that process, that was very unique and very, very interesting. I was very grateful to have come into this space, and I think I went in um, uh, with these conversations of what is safety to be able, and I felt safe enough to be able to create those conversations there to be able to have a this conversation. So that's all kudos to
1: the team. Whilst I think a lot of people through convention have thought take care of your scene partner means in terms of the character and the choices that their character is making. Mm-hmm. But um, from what you're saying, inevitably, we're going to have to take into account the human being performing that role as well.
3: Absolutely. And I'm also, you know, the word choice there. I mean, this is, this is what was unique about Kevalia. It wasn't simply about creating laughter or, you know, creating interest or intrigue. It was more about the individual making that choice in that moment and giving it time and space.
1: As a result of, of this whole process, how would you now sum up what take care of your scene partner means?
0: What take care of our scene partner means now. I mean, we say this in when open space starts, which is every week we have an open space and, one thing we pride ourselves on is that it's a safe space. Um, and that was, again, a question answered what, what makes a space safe? <laughs> so we know when we come in, the first thing we do is uh, when we say you come in, we say, hey, uh, we want to talk about this first. We're going to talk about safety. So we never assume your consent for anything. Once you've entered the space and you agree to play some games, we haven't assumed you've consented to everything that's going to happen. The second thing is, at any point, if you want to remove yourself, you can. And you don't have to explain why. No one has to tell me anything. If I'm in a scene with you and you walk off, that's not a comment on me. It isn't something I did. It doesn't make me good or bad. And thirdly, don't talk about anything about somebody else's personal. Don't mention religion. Don't mention caste. Don't mention anything that you think is real. If you're going to make fun of something, make fun of something that is removed from reality. It doesn't mean things don't happen. We still have incidents that happen. But what the, what the difference is that what people know and what makes them comfortable is that they know they have a tool to turn to. They know they have rules in the space. And that what it does is it prevents something happening. You're not scared. So you don't react in a, in a way that's scared. That may be worse. You actually feel comfortable enough to go, hey, okay, I'm going to go into these areas. I'm cool with this. And I think that's been the bigger difference, that actually when you know that safety has been talked about, that people tend to treat each other with that mindset. Your mindset becomes, I'm really focused on the other person. It's them that I'm thinking about. It's not about me. And because they're comfortable, they also feel responsible for that person's safety. So, I mean, essentially, it's those three ideas condensed. But what it really is, is just the fact that someone started by saying, we're going to talk about this and it's this simple and it's not difficult and you don't have to worry or be scared.
3: I think I'll just add a little bit of what I saw changing from the outside because I, I, after having these conversations with the team, I did go in to see uh, performances and, and I did go in to see multiple performances and I saw each one being different in texture uh, from the other. And increasingly there were dynamics, there were group dynamics, there were real relationships. Um, often Often I've seen in performative theater, sometimes the idea that something is tough is when it's blasphemous or when it's when it's hard or, it, or it's very outwardly hard. Whereas what was happening uh, for the team was that in these real conversations, in creating these rituals, in, you know, it was it was harder to actually have these real conversations to be personal, but not take, take things personally, like what Varun just said. But they were doing it and these tools and rules became very easily absorbed into the fabric of the performance because, you know, once everybody kind of figured that this is for us to create safety and it isn't for us to other each other or, you know, it's not something to follow, but it's ours and we get to create it. It's not boundaries established by someone outside. Um, I think there's some amount of, you know, power sharing in that.
1: This is clearly a subject that people have really thought about and there's no one way to approach take care of your scene partner. In fact, next time I hear that phrase thrown around in a rehearsal room, I'm going to want to ask, how do you define that? Other reactions I got from asking what people think it means include Ben Tucker, who said, hold their hair while they're pretending to be sick, with permission. And also from UCB teacher Chelsea Clark, If it looks like they're uncomfortable, thrown or stuck, take the wheel. If they look like they're trying to make something happen, get on board. Thinking about all of this, earlier today, I felt like I needed to speak to the person who I mentioned earlier, Liam Webber. We performed together as a duo called The Clones. I'm
4: just holding a rose in my hands and I smell Ah. the (laughs) rose.
1: When we're at our best, it really is like telepathy. And I wondered how someone who looks after me so well on stage would define the phrase, look after your scene partner. Well, I would have done, but we we spent about 10 minutes pretending to do ASMR. And I I have taken the hot tap and plumbed it into the cold tap. So how do you define take care of your scene partner?
4: Yeah. Um, I think it's just about making sure the other person's having fun, right? They're having a good time. I think that that's pretty much it. Like, I feel like the having fun element kind of, like, encompasses the broader boundaries chat that, you know, has to happen and making sure that everyone's comfortable on stage. You, you know, you can't have fun if you're not comfortable. So I think there's that. Like, I think if, if your scene partner, if the person on stage with you is having fun, then... You're looking after them, right? They're having a good time and that's why we do this. We don't really do this, for the huge financial reward at the end of it. Um, We do it because it's fun to do.
1: How much of it do you think is um, giving them something like in terms of offers, gifts, physicality that you're providing and how much of it is you reading what they're doing?
4: Everything's a gift, right? Like, um, yeah, everything is active, So it's like, if I'm, if I'm performing with someone, then it's all about like giving them either explicit things. So like, you know, offer like what we would normally characterize as an offer. Like it might be a character, it might just be a line of dialogue. It might be whatever the offer is, you know, Um, but I'm also giving them like my full attention and giving them all of my focus and all of my brain (laughs) when they're like, When they're performing and like when whatever they're doing I'm giving them that as well and so I think like it I think you're in a constant state of giving the other person something um either like you're giving them explicit ideas or you're just giving them your focus and you're giving them that space where they can be themselves and they can throw stuff out there and 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 I think yeah I think I think it's that though right like you give them your focus you give them um offers as well and then between the those two things you kind of hope that they're having a good time.
1: I suppose the, the the reason I ask um, is um, I, I'm very aware on when I'm on stage with you that there are sometimes when you're going to I suppose drive it a little bit more and I'm going to be reacting and my reactions will then create something and then there are sometimes when maybe I'm driving it a bit more and your reactions will then create something else whilst I'm not necessarily always consciously thinking about that dynamic. I do kind of realize that it's there because sometimes someone will have an idea. I suppose what I'm asking is how much of it is giving space to the other person and how much is it giving the other person a thing with which they can play? Well, space is just
4: another thing in which, with which they can play, right? Like it's the same, same thing. I I don't, I don't know. Like, I I think, I think you're right. Like there's always like a give and take. There's like a, a, the flux of a show. And when, we're inspired, we create more freely. And, and, and so I, I like to think of like imp- when, when we're improvising, we want to be in this state of like constant inspiration. Like we're like um, everything the other person is saying is inspiring stuff in me. And naturally some stuff will spark more than others. And it's about like, I think it's about like feeling that like kind of energy between you. And when the other person, when you see the like inspiration spark in the other person, that's when you feel, okay, I'm going to give a bit of space. Whereas like, and then if you're performing with someone who loves you and, and wants you to do well and wants you to have fun on stage, like, cause that, that's the fun bit, right? The like sparking inspiration bit is like, that's fun, right? That's the, I guess that's what I mean when I say like, I want the other person to have fun. I want them to feel that like spark of inspiration as they like, don't have to think about what they're about to do. They just kind of do it and so like i think like yeah playing with someone who like when you spark they'll be like okay i'm gonna give you space and really enjoy this and really focus on this and then maybe try and feed that where i can and then the flip side is like that your your role is like when you see them spark you've just got to love that and enjoy that moment that they're like on fire That they're like yeah this is this is this is it
1: i suppose finally given that you know um we do look after each other on stage and off, mm. uh, to a degree. Um, I am a few years older than me. What I suppose I'm saying is, will you, when I move into a, a nursing home, will you will you also still take care of me?
4: Um, yeah, of of course. Um, in fact, am <laughs> I'm, I'm most into this partnership uh, for that moment, actually. I I don't want to say anything, but I've been working slowly but surely towards being your sole benefactor in your will. And I think I think caring for you through retirement is is a is a major part of that.
1: Of course. Why would um, an unmarried man in his forties suddenly strike up an improv partnership with uh, a man in his twenties? If it wasn't so that I could leave all my worldly improv fortunes to you, mm, yeah, and all
4: of your all of that that one bookshelf full of improv books. That's, I'm just after it for that copy of um, Jason Chin's book.
1: That's ah, that's that's a great one. Mm-hmm. It's and do you know what? It's it's a relatively short but interesting read. It's that so, right? Yeah, like yeah. improv and mindfulness or improv. Yeah, it it combines improv and mindfulness, and it's got some it's got some really interesting uh, conclusions it comes to. So, if you want that Jason Chin book, <laughs> believe me, when when I pass away in, in like when I am one hundred and two, and mm-hmm. you are in your eighties, yeah, you can, you can suddenly. Become very mindful in your improv. That's good. Yeah. I can't wait. You're welcome. (laughs) Next time on the Improv Chronicle podcast Object work. Is it just a necessary evil? Or is the creation and continuity of imaginary objects in a scene vital? What power does object work have when it comes to affecting us, our scene partners, and our audiences? Let me know your thoughts now by emailing them to newsdesk at improvchronicle.com. The Improv Chronicle podcast is produced and hosted by me, Lloydie James Lloyd. You can help the podcast grow right now by subscribing and rating us on your favourite podcast app. Check out the show notes for this episode and find out about the contributors. And if you have an idea for a possible episode, go to improvchronicle.com